Welcome to episode 174 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. Make sure you're following us in all the places you can at MCU Fan Show, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. My name, as I said again, is Sean Gerber. Joined once again, and as is usual, Paul Herman. Paul, how you doing? Wow. Wow. There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot, a lot to talk about and speculate on. I'm freaking excited. Yes, there is yeah. a lot to speculate about on this episode of the podcast. We will be talking primarily about a live action Spider-Verse perhaps going on in Spider-Man 3. We're going to be talking about that quite a bit, but there's some other news that we want to catch up on. And some of this we know is a couple weeks old. Sorry, that's my fault. Uh, I've been super busy with work stuff just in that production life. So uh, my schedule was just totally swamped. And so I know some of this epi- some of the stuff even broke before I was actually able to even post episode 173 of the podcast. So we're a little outdated, but we're still excited to talk about the stuff. And hopefully you're still excited to hear about us talking uh, about all this stuff. So let's start with some Miss Marvel casting. Now, before we get into the Spider-Verse stuff, Iman Vellani, it was reported a couple weeks ago by Deadline that she has been cast in the title role of Miss Marvel, of course, playing Kamala Khan, a.k.a. Miss Marvel in the forthcoming Disney Plus series. And as we expected, this is a name we did not know. We expected this to be an unknown actor. And that's exactly uh, the category that you would place Iman Vellani in. She is a newcomer. Her IMDb page is basically Miss Marvel. Uh, as an upcoming project. And that to me is okay. So I can't look at any sort of body of work and say that she was really great in this. And that's why I think she's going to be really great as Miss Marvel. This is just that trust Marvel Studios and their casting, which is easy to do based on their track record with casting director Sarah Finn, as well as, of course, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. And if you're looking at Iman Vellani without being able to go and watch any of her performances, you just look at what would have had to have happened in order for her to land this role. You know they looked at hundreds, probably thousands of people for this role. And Amon Vellani is the one who stood out above all the rest. So I think that speaks very highly of her. And again, there's that track record of Disney and or not just Disney, but Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, Seraphin, the whole team there. They do a great job finding the right actors for their lead roles. And I trust that they have done that with Iman Vellani as Miss Marvel. So I'm just excited that we have our Miss Marvel and it's a new superstar just waiting to be born before our eyes when we see her in the Disney Plus series. I can't wait to see her in this role. And I trust that she's going to be really great in it. And I'm just excited that Miss Marvel is moving forward. And just, it's another big milestone, another major milestone, getting us that much closer to actually seeing Miss Marvel in live action. Before we even get to the Disney Plus series itself, but trailers and everything else, I know they got to go start making the show. But I'm just happy that it's moving forward and they found their Miss Marvel uh, in Amon Vellani. In the world of COVID and the uncertainty of theaters and when they're coming back, et cetera, et cetera, these, this essentially, these shows become now, Sean, our, our Marvel films. Yeah. And the fact that we They're the have one thing we now, can count on. Exactly. And so... With all of that, this is big stuff. I mean, the fact that they, at the time, it seemed kind of, not surreal, but the announcement of She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, um, you know, Winter Soldier, Falcon, all that stuff, WandaVision, it all seemed kind of, man, they're doing all these films and all this stuff. That's crazy. You know, it definitely seemed like a lot. What's 
what's even crazier is it seems like they're geniuses now because they've they've been they've been developing all these things right and now that they have their their they're not bulletproof but they're they've got their extra kind of what's what i'm looking for they're saying and whatever basically they've got their backup and their backup is now going to be like basically saving them and and as far as them being marvel studios and disney having content for what you know people need to have and are going to be forking out money that in the mandalorian obviously but marvel and star wars are, are in my opinion what's driving um disney plus and so with that i think that miss marvel going forward is huge and i think it's i think the fact that the show is going forward is is, is such great news for us because we're going to be getting something like marvel that's pretty big like miss marvel is a big character i i'm actually surprised she's not getting her own film so it's it's a little you know as far as you know I, we talked about it back then and i think it makes sense to have a show too now but with with the future of entertainment you know potentially going away from film this is a big deal and i think that this could be potentially uh even better than a film in a sense to where it's not just going to be this two-hour thing and you know build up and you know oh she disappointed me or she's okay we're gonna see this actress grow from episode to episode and that's the i think the great thing about this is that She's not going to have a one shot to prove herself, you know, which again, she, she may or may not, we don't know in two hours only, but we're going to see this in six to eight episodes or whatever they're going to order. And we're going to see her grow. And so, and I, I'm honestly grateful for that because now if we don't necessarily think she's, you know, let's say she's just okay in the first two episodes, we can see someone grow. That can happen. That probably that very much will probably happen. And that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. And so I think this is only good and only great news that we're getting the shows going forward and having this casting is big because like I said, the uncertainty of films, we don't know what we're getting. And I think this is, I'm, I can't wait to get this. It's Miss Marvel is a character I like. I haven't always connected to the series. They haven't always grabbed me and everything, but I like the character a lot. And I think that this will be a good Good thing for, I think, for her to be, she's a perfect on-screen character, in my opinion. I think it really will work well. Almost, I'd say, hate to say it, I think she almost might translate better on screen than in the comic book, if that makes any sense, which is a lot for me to say. I think for whatever reason, I think her powers and all of that and her personality with the combination of her powers just really screams live action to me. So I'm really excited to see what this, where this goes. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, this is a big deal. I think in my opinion. Oh no, it's very big deal. And I love that this character is just getting more time in the sun and just a bigger and bigger spotlight. I think she's been great in the comic books. As I've said a number of times, I think she's the best superhero that's been created in my lifetime. I love those books uh, with G Willow Wilson. I love that, that initial Miss Marvel run. And I've continued to be a big fan of the character And I've just enjoyed seeing that character show up in more stuff in animation and then now in video games with the Avengers game. And now the the last kind of major leap that's left is live action. And we've known that this was coming. This series got announced over a year ago, but there's always that key part of it of like, like, who is going to be playing this main this main title character? And that's Amon Vellani as Miss Marvel. And as far as this being a Disney Plus series to that point, I mean, Disney, I know they're doing 
reorganization and stuff like that that focuses mainly on that emphasizes streaming and direct to consumer and we all know the reasons why and the way that things have been headed already and the way that's accelerated because of the pandemic and with all of those things going on i mean disney plus offers stability where movies don't write this second unless movies are going to disney plus which as of right now they're not as far as marvel studios movies are concerned so at least not going directly there so I think when you look at what Marvel can do on Disney Plus and also just specifically for this character, she's going to be on the big screen. I don't know if that's Captain Marvel 2. I don't know if that's Young Avengers. It's probably all of those things and more. But as far as telling her story on Disney Plus, especially if it's an origin type of story, just going back to that original Miss Marvel run, that translates very well to a series. Um, even more so, I think, than a movie, because while you could tell a big epic story on a movie, you could do that, but you don't need to. And I, that's not really what made Miss Marvel and made that run so special to me anyway. It was all of the other stuff. It was the day to day life of this teenage girl and everything that she was going through from her school to her family to her faith, everything that was going. And then, of course, throw in all the superhero adventures uh, in the mix as well. And also just being a fan of fellow superheroes in the comic books. Like, I just think that there was so much in there that would never make it into a movie because inevitably you would have to cut some of that to get a story down to two hours. So I like the idea of taking more time to tell this character's story, at least to start to allow people the, the opportunity to get to know this character because Kamala Khan is such a great character and worth getting to know and taking the time to really get to know this character. And so having a Disney Plus series affords us that opportunity. And then it's just on to bigger and bigger things. And as you said, somebody growing with the role, and that's, you know, no pun intended for all of her embiggening powers, but it's just really that idea. And we saw that throughout the MCU, even with more established veteran actors. Even Chris Evans got better at playing Steve Rogers as he went along. He started off great and then just got even better from there. And we saw that a number of times with a number of actors in their roles. So I'm excited about Iman Vellani and her future in Miss Marvel starting off on Disney Plus and then where she goes from there. And I think it's just, you know, the possibilities are endless. Speaking of another potential young hero who might be emerging in the MCU, this news is not as old. This one actually, this story broke on the day that we are recording this episode of MCU Fan Show. It was reported by Deadline that Sochi Gomez is going to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Now, they did not report the role. We still we don't know officially or unofficially what character Sochi Gomez is playing in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But the top fan speculation right now, it's certainly where my mind went and where I think everybody else's went, is that maybe she's playing America Chavez in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There have been rumors or really more speculation that this character would pop up. In Multiverse of Madness, this is a character that people have kind of been expecting to emerge in the MCU sometime in the foreseeable future. And when you have a character who can punch holes in the fabric of reality and who's actually was in is from a different reality and has all these different powers and has multiverse type of powers, when you're in a movie called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, seems like an efficient place to go ahead uh, and a great place to go ahead and introduce a character like America Chavez. So I hope that's who Sochi Gomez is playing because America Chavez is definitely very high on my list of characters I would like to see in the MCU sooner rather than later. 
So I hope that's what this is. Um, otherwise, you know, for Sochi Gomez, I haven't seen Babysitter's Club or anything else that she's in, so I can't really speak to her work. But again, it goes into trusting Marvel and their casting process, which is usually pretty spot on. So yeah. uh, I'm really just hoping that the speculation that we have right now pans out. And this means America Chavez is, well, with Doctor Strange currently scheduled for release in March of 2022, that we're about a year and a half away from meeting this character in the MCU. And of course, Paul, that would go back mm. into call it Young Avengers, call it Champions, call mm. it whatever mm. you want. But if young we have Avengers. another young superhero in the MCU, Miss Marvel, possibly America Chavez, Kate Bishop coming up in the Hawkeye series. Of course, we still got Peter Parker as Spider-Man around there and a lot of other young heroes that mm. are emerging in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we certainly have the makings of a team and America Chavez, if that's who Sochi Gomez is playing, could indeed be part of that. So American Dream, Miss America, whatever moniker uh, this, the Chavez, uh, Miss Chavez here will, will, will be, you know, is or what moniker they want to call her and, and brand her as. Regardless, she's a newer character. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm familiar with her from the Kieran Gillen uh, Young Avengers run, and she's there's it, it's really exciting because Marvel. Uh, studios is really emphasizing a lot of young female characters and in, in upcoming projects. You've got Miss Marvel, you've got American Dream or Miss America, whatever moniker she goes by. You have uh, the female, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Kate Bishop, uh, Hawkeye. And you have, I'm assuming, again, I'm assuming, uh, Stature or Stinger or whatever her name is going to be right. uh, as at Scott Lang's, uh, Cassie Lang's uh, uh, the daughter of Scott Lang. So that is four female, young female heroes. And we very well could be seeing the, uh, a, a young Avengers team. That's going to be predominantly female. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Like that's a pretty cool thing. And all those characters that, and I didn't, I didn't even mention uh, uh, Ruri Williams, that she's another one that could potentially be showing up. I mean, there are. it's really, really exciting that Marvel's really emphasizing these young female uh, heroes and that they're, again, they're going to be predominantly female. I'm assuming it's the Young Avengers team gets made a team, which is really cool, it's, which is normally the opposite, right? But that's not how it's going. And I think it's really cool. The direction, again, if, assuming she's playing that character. Um, another cool thing about Miss um, America or American Dream, whatever, is that she's a gay character. Yeah. And I, I, that's another really awesome thing. And that's why I think this is really exciting. And there are, she's got really weird powers. I mean, she's super strong. Like Sean, you mentioned she can punch holes in reality. So AKA she can teleport different realities, right. you know? Um, but yeah, she's, she's a really interesting character and it makes a lot of sense for Dr. Strange to have someone like that for this movie, especially with Wanda. Cause with, with a title like multiverse of madness, mm. there's going to probably, there's going to be a need I think for these heroes that are going to be able to do and cross different planes of universes, you know, at a step of fingers, you know, all, all the time. So right. there's going to, at least for, for convenient story reasons to get from point A to point B or whatever. And if just kind of a, a win-win situation by having them also be a potential young Avenger. So it's a really exciting thing. I am, you know, again, I don't, I'm not like a huge fan of the character. I like the character. Um, 
I think she's really, I think she's great in all, um, in the ultimate book that, uh, Al Ewing, uh, wrote, uh, that's also with Captain Marvel and Black Panther, which again, if she's in, if they're making that building to that whole oh, man, sign me up. Um, but, but no, she's a really interesting character. And I think that there's a lot of potential with her. You could do, um, because she doesn't, she didn't grow up on this earth, um, on, or this reality. So I think that this could be the first Marvel hero that we get. That's not in this reality that's stuck. And that's, there's something, you know, as far as, you know, there's a relatable, almost a, if she does take the moniker of Miss America or American dream, whatever, there's that American kind of, uh, connection with obviously with captain america and they're as far as they're both fish out of water if that was the case so i kind of like that and i think Mm. that'd be kind of a cool you know connection between the two characters that these are two characters that have the american uh name in their in their superhero name but they're also both like kind of they're out of their element and there's something to be said to that and i think that she could be that first kind of out of reality and, that, and there's a lot to go with, I think, emotionally and you know, for humor, I think, also. But there's a lot of stuff there. And I think that, that to me, is what's really intriguing for this character. And, uh, yeah, I, I think this – I hope she is. I hope this is what she's cast. And I hope Amer- you know, Miss America is going to be in this movie because, again, I, I like the character. I think she she's a great support – or not supporting character, but character in a team book or team film, if you will. So, yeah, I'm I'm all about – her being Miss America, whatever. So yeah, sign me the hell up. Yeah, I think it's great. The idea of her being a character kind of like with Kang in Ant-Man three of these characters who know the multiverse better or maybe know the multiverse better than some of our existing heroes in the MCU, because I think that's part of the thing for me with Endgame and, and even with Doctor Strange, because we saw Doctor Strange go on a tour of the multiverse in his first movie, and that was without a quantum tunnel. And then the everything else was quantum tunnel for going through alternate timelines or whatever they were doing, you know, with everything they were doing in Avengers Endgame. So I, I think having clearly like a lot of this stuff is going to come back on the prime MCU timeline. And we see that with although that's still not quite the prime MCU timeline, but we see that with the time variance authority with Loki possibly Kang in Ant-Man 3 and America Chavez, not necessarily there to you know get revenge or anything, but I like the idea of this being a very young character who might know even more than Doctor Strange about the multiverse because she might have already experienced more of it than he has because of her powers. And I think it's great to have potentially anyway. And I don't know. We A, don't know that she's America Chavez and B, even if she is, we don't know what role she plays in this story. But I could also I could totally see her being somebody who, even though she's young, would maybe know by the nature of her powers would be a little bit more of the expert on certain things. Or when maybe it's Doctor Strange and Wanda as well, Scarlet Witch, they eventually run into America Chavez and they and Stephen Strange and Wanda Maximoff think it's one thing. But then America Chavez has information that they're not privy to and that she educates them on. And that becomes an integral point, uh, part of the plot. All of those are things that I could see working. And it's just another way to have this character play an important part in this story while also bringing her into the fold in the MCU yeah. so that she can take part in even bigger stories later on down the line. Although it would appear that Multiverse of Madness is going to be a massive story in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, you know, as we continue to have a more inclusive franchise here, 
with mm. America Chavez being LGBTQ plus, she also offers Latinx re uh, representation, mm -hmm. which is Absolutely. sorely lacking in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, particularly in characters who are actual superheroes. So I know obviously there's going to be some of that with Selma Hayek in The Eternals, but this is really part of something where Marvel City is making a continued effort. And that's not to say that they are doing this only for the sake of representation or inclusion or checking boxes to be seen as doing those things, but really doing it, really doing it, hopefully, as we have seen so far in a yeah. meaningful way where they're really giving these characters a chance uh, and giving these actors a chance to really breathe life into these characters and, and really build something very real and very genuine and very sincere. And I think that's what they that's the path that Marvel Studios has been on. And the idea of them continuing to just go even further down that path and make the franchise more like it kind of should have been all along. Obviously, you can't make up for lost time, but to go forward yeah. in the right way is something that is very exciting. And and above all else, as I said, it's a really fun character who ha has been mm -hmm. very high on the list of not not just my list or your list, but just fans in general. This is a character that people have been calling out for that they want to see in the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so I hope this is it with Sochi Gomez. If it's not, then... Fine, but let's hope America Chavez gets I, into the MCU. So, I mean, I just I don't know who else she would be. I know people have called yeah. out like Zelma Stanton and other characters from Doctor Strange comics, but I don't know. This to me just reads superhero. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but uh, this it, it just feels yeah. like this feels like a great movie to to introduce this character, and so mm -hmm. it just seems like this is it. I mean. If it was such a small part, it probably wouldn't even make news in the trade. Exactly. So uh, it just yeah. it makes me feel like this is a prominent role. And, and America Chavez is a very prominent role in the MCU. I'm just going to say this about about uh, Miss America. If which I, I'm assuming she is. And with her, considering her power level, she I'm going to make I'm going to put this on receipt now, Sean. She will know the time variance like police. Mm. She will know them well. And she will be a key of bringing a passed away dead Marvel character back at some point. And she, and the, what they're going to, what, how they're going to do it probably is that she's going to know them because she's, she's gone to different realities and she's probably gotten in trouble and mm. she knows she can only do it once or twice and that's it. Or she'll be like done. So you have that mulligan if you want to bring someone back from a different reality, like we have to get Tony Stark, we need Tony Stark and she can punch a hole in reality and grab a, dif a different Tony Stark or a different timeline and have him team up with them. Well, let's Mark, hope, let's, let's hope they don't hit that button for many, many, many years. Uh, I'm just saying it's going to happen at some point. Sure. But it, I happen. really hope it doesn't happen that soon. Um, but yeah, future film for sure. But I would, it would not surprise me at all though, if, the Time Variance Authority, however, is part of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because Kevin Feige has said that there is a connection between Loki and Multiverse of Madness without saying he didn't say it in the same way that he's talked about WandaVision, where Wanda is literally going from her show to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Feige didn't phrase it as Loki is going to be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. We've not heard anything about Tom Hiddleston being in it. But what is going to be established in Loki is the time variance authority. And so that makes a lot of sense. Like, again, mm -hmm. when I talk about the idea of America Chavez knowing how things work more so than Stephen Strange or Wanda Maximoff, that could be part of it. What you guys are yep. doing 
is going to get you in trouble with these guys. And I know mm -hmm. because they're after me. So exactly like that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. So that's a good receipt to have. I could totally see that happening in All Doctor right, we'll Strange see. in the Multiverse of Madness. But whether that happens or not, let's just hope America Chavez is, is in that movie. Yeah. So agreed. speaking of multiverse, Whew. well, speaking of Doctor Strange, he's going to be in Spider-Man 3. But we're not even going to start the? off talking about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the news that uh, that came out before we found out that Benedict Cumberbatch would be playing Doctor Strange, not only in his own sequel, but in Spider-Man 3. But before we learned about that, we found out that Jamie Foxx is going to be playing Electro in Spider-Man 3. And yeah, that's Jamie Foxx who played Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 back in 2014. So this news, my first reaction to this news, Paul, was complete and utter confusion. I mm -hmm. didn't know what to make of this because there are the obvious questions. Is this a different Electro and it's just the same actor playing the character, kind of like J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson? You know, played one version of the character in the Raimi trilogy, but seems to be a very different version of the character in the mid credit scene from Spider-Man Far From Home. And of course, presumably going forward in Spider-Man 3. Are we talking about a multiverse type of thing where this is the Jamie Foxx from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man timeline now moving over into the MCU timeline? Is it that? There was also just the confusion because Electro just didn't seem like a villain that I had at the top of my list besides like Sinister Six implications and stuff like that. I didn't really have Electro on my list. I mean, I know the most obvious pick that we kept focusing on was Kraven, and I do kind of hope Craven's in this movie, although maybe now I'd rather Craven be saved for a story where like Craven would be the main villain as opposed to part of a, a big ensemble. But or his I, own movie. Yeah, no, pass on that. But <laughs> but uh you know, I, I still hope to see Craven in the MCU and and I don't know how that would work and if that's in Spider-Man 3 or elsewhere, but focusing less on what we don't have and what we do have, Jamie Foxx's Electro, I mean he's He's a great actor, an Oscar winner. I mean, mm -hmm. all the stuff mm -hmm. that everyone already knows. Jamie Foxx is, is just supremely talented. And so the idea of him coming into the MCU is exciting, even if we don't know exactly how it all fits. And I guess it shouldn't be that surprising because as uh, as is part of the just kind of the legend of or really the history of the Spider-Man franchise and particularly Amazing Spider-Man 2 as the last Spider-Man movie that was made before Sony started sharing the character with Marvel Studios. During the Sony email hacking scandal, of course, it came out famously that Kevin Feige had his notes for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because Kevin Feige gives notes on Marvel licensed movies, even if he's not uh, doesn't have a formal role as a producer on them like they do now uh, with Marvel Studios and the Spider-Man films. Feige had a lot of criticisms and they were fair about The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but one of the things he really liked was Electro. He said that he loved the character. Mm. There were there was a scene, the, the kind of crazy, as Feige said, the scene in his apartment where Max Dillon is being crazy and hard to relate to. Um, Feige wasn't a big fan of that scene, but overall loved the character. So I guess it shouldn't be that much of a surprise for Kevin Feige to say, I like this actor as this character. We can have him in this movie and we'll just do it better than The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So that part makes a lot of sense. So Electro is a cool villain. Uh, Jamie Foxx has already acknowledged this news in some since deleted posts. He did say he wouldn't be blue this time. So we're getting a new design, uh, which I'm not surprised by at all. I'm sure that Marvel Studios, including uh, the head of visual development, Ryan Meinerding, would, of course, want to take his own uh, would want to have his own pass on Electro uh, and do his own design of the character. And Meinerding, who's just 
brilliant all the time, but particularly with these Spider-Man designs, not just Spider-Man himself and all of these great suits that we've had, but you look at what he's done with the villains, with Vulture and Mysterio. So I certainly want to see his design for Electro as much more so than I would want to just stick with the blue guy from uh, from the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man 2. So, um, yeah, like I, I'm I'm excited by this. I don't know how it all fits. And, and I know we will talk more about that as we get into the Doctor Strange presence uh, mm-hmm. in this film. But just based on regardless of the context, regardless of the circumstances, Jamie Foxx as Electro in Spider-Man 3, that part does excite me. It's exciting, baffling, and just off the wall shock. No pun intended. And but I, I I remember on my break, just going do to do like flipping through my my Twitter feed, you know, just doing my thing, Sean. And I'm all of a sudden like, what the hell? And I, I remember saying that out loud and said, what? Jamie Fox back as a electro yeah huh and obviously the first thing to me is like okay spider-verse i get it okay uh-huh. let's you know again and and that's still like that's probably where they're going Pro- I, that's the first thing in my head but then i start thinking about everything and it's just like you know it's not a, not a done deal because like you said J. Jonah Jameson is still the same character. And I'm like, what? And, I, and Jamie Foxx also had a deleted Instagram post about how he's going to be way more badass and all this yeah. other crap. And which again, which you could know it's, it's, I love it. I love it when the actors or whoever does something like that, they just can't contain themselves and right. then they do something they're like, Oh, I have to delete it you know, or whatever. Someone tells them to delete it. I almost feel like they do it on purpose. Knowing they're going to be told to take it down. They just do it just to, cause once it's up, it's up. Right. I mean, it ain't going anywhere. But I also feel like it. somebody in Jamie Foxx's position, like what are they going to do? Fire him? Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. It's like, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to post this cause I'm excited. And if they tell me to take it down, I'll take it down. Exactly. Yeah, that's how I kind of feel he did it. I think he wanted everyone to know like, Hey, I understand the criticisms of the last film I was in. And I'm here to tell you this ain't this ain't it. And yep. then that's what made me go, okay, maybe this isn't necessarily a Spider-Verse thing. It could be a fun little kind of a wink wink nudge nudge, like, hey, like when Spider-Man sees him, like, don't I know you? He's like, No, you don't. You know, or, you know <laughs> something like that. You know, I mean, like it Yeah. That's I started thinking about that. And I'm like, okay. And then I started thinking more about Sinister Six. And I'm like, okay, this is how we're introducing these characters. And I, and to be quite honest, Sean, it's it's one of those things where if you if you if if we if a fan were to bring it up, I'd be like, that's a dumb idea. It's so ridiculous. No, they would never do that. And the fact that they're willing to do something that outrageous is like, OK, that's kind of cool, actually. I think there's a lot of creative. I love the creative um, thinking that they're doing, but they're not putting themselves in a corner. Like, well, we have to put a new villain in or you know what I mean? Like a a villain villain we haven't seen before because we can't do that again. We can't do doc. Ock. We can't do this. We can't do that. It's like, no, we're going to do Jimmy Fox, the same actor with uh, in a movie that people did not necessarily like completely. Um, and everything. And we're going to make it a lot more interesting. It's like, or whatever. And I'm just like, man, that takes a lot of guts and there must be, it, I'm assuming a pretty fun story to tell 
And I think that that to me is really, really exciting because the Sony and, and Marvel, assuming this is the last film they do together, which I we'll definitely don't we'll think it is. I exactly, you know, you know exactly where I was going with this. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, you know, the fact that they're willing to do something like this, like together, like Marvel studios, you know, obviously it has, has ideas. Yeah. Sony has ideas. It's just, I'm like, man, like they're not just, they're really trying to, you know, push the envelope in a sense to where, what they can do. And cause the thing is, the truth is we don't know what exactly this means, right? Not until we get into no. another bit of news, but even then we still don't know, but we have a better idea. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Electro in this movie, Jamie Foxx, this is exciting. Like this is really, really exciting. And I think that we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we have to move on. I, I'm going to keep spoiling myself, but yeah, this, there's just, I can tell you, there's just well, too much at stake. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. Well, it, it's just, it's insane. I mean, what it, it kind of points to though, to me is that the, for one reason or another, the movie is bigger than I was thinking. Like, and, and maybe that's just because my own well my own speculation was too narrow on this movie, because I think that I, I was trying to see it as more than just Spider-Man is, is on the run and, and Spider-Man is being hunted, hence Craven. Or as a lot of fans have speculated, Peter Parker's gonna need a lawyer. So Matt Murdock or Jennifer Walters, Daredevil or She-Hulk, like that's gonna be the lawyer for Spider-Man. I never really bought the idea that Spider-Man would definitely be on trial in this next movie, but certainly the idea that Maybe he was being hunted and maybe people were pursuing him and maybe that's still part of it. Um, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Sinister Six and are, are they kind of almost going to be their own version of like the Thunderbolts being tasked with taking down Spider-Man in some unofficial sort of way. I mean, I, I don't really know. And we still don't know that this is even Sinister Six, by the way. But there are so many different ideas and these are all potentially very big ideas. And so the scale, like the scope of this movie just keeps feeling bigger and bigger. And I don't, I still don't know what shape that is. I just know it's a much bigger movie than I initially thought because, and I think maybe I felt like with Spider-Man having, you know, kind of this place coming off of Civil War with Iron Man being present in Homecoming and then of course being off in Europe for Spider-Man Far From Home, it almost in some ways felt like Spider-Man's story was going to be a little bit smaller, like, just contained to New York in Spider-Man 3. And I still think that's where most of the movie is taking place. I'm not saying they're entirely changing the setting, but at the same time, like this feels like it's setting the stage for even bigger stuff. And that, because that was part of what I was thinking was if this is going to be the last Marvel Studios Spider-Man solo movie, then it probably wouldn't get an opportunity to play as pivotal a role in what's happening in phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because why would you do that if you don't feel like this relationship with Sony is in a good enough place to where you can count on it continuing, then you would, if anything, de-emphasize the Spider-Man franchise, not in terms of not like give, not trying to make a good movie. Of course, you would still try to make the movie as, as best you can possibly make it. But at the same time, as far as where you put it in the overarching narrative of the MCU, you wouldn't put it at the center of a lot of the bigger things that seem to be happening with Multiverse of Madness. And now it potentially is right in the thick of those things. And that tells me, that amongst other things tells me that the relationship between Marvel slash Disney and Sony is expanding. I mean, we know that Spider-Man is supposed to be in one more MCU movie 
after Spider-Man 3 because that was the deal. There's a Spider-Man solo movie for Sony that Marvel Studios is making and Disney will own 30% of. But then there's a Disney distributed MCU film that Spider-Man is also supposed to be a part of. So this was never supposed to be the finale of Spider-Man in the MCU. But I also feel like if we look at what's happening here with this movie and we look at Adrian Toomes popping up in the Morbius trailer, which could just be Sony freelancing it on their own and saying, we don't care what Marvel and Disney think. We're just doing this, uh, which could totally be the limit of like how that happened. It may not be anything more than that. But then there's also Olivia Wilde who's directing it's well, they haven't officially confirmed that it's Spider-Woman, but a Sony Marvel movie that's probably Spider-Woman talking about worried about giving away too much and getting in trouble with Kevin Feige when Kevin Feige, in theory, ordinarily would not be a, would not be her boss on a Spider-Man movie or a Spider-Woman movie that's being made by Sony, because typically Marvel Studios wouldn't be involved in that other than Kevin Feige giving notes, but not being uh, not being the main producer of the movie and not really having that type of authority where anybody has to worry about them fire, you know, them being fired by Kevin Feige. He wouldn't have that type of authority on a Sony Marvel movie. But either Olivia Wilde just doesn't know which Marvel she's working for or she knows more than we do, which is that Kevin Feige is involved in that movie. And maybe he's involved in other things and other Sony movies because this was part of the speculation anyway, right? You go back to when things fell apart last year and they got back together. We were speculating and Kevin Feige dropped that line. And, and Kevin Feige, who famously finds uh, perfectly eloquent ways to say nothing at all when he's asked questions about the future of the MCU, even acknowledged that Spider-Man is the one character who can go back and forth across different cinematic universes. For him to even acknowledge that when he didn't have to say anything to that effect was already pretty big. And we factor in some of these other things that, are, that seem to be going on and the signs are there. Will those signs ultimately prove to mean anything? I don't know. But the signs are there that potentially there's a lot bigger things going on between Disney and Marvel and Sony as far as integrating Spider-Man and other Spider-Man characters into all of these things and having crossovers between different universes. And so maybe Electro is part of that. Um, or even if Jamie Foxx's Electro is a completely new Electro just for the purposes of the MCU, completely unrelated to the one from The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that still doesn't mean that it's gonna be impossible to carry over other characters from the Sony universe and or from other Sony Marvel universes because of course there was the rumor this week that, um, and of course rumors are what they are and you take them with a grain of salt and as much as it's a rumor, it's also just an obvious guess that's been around there uh, ever since we found out about the Jamie Foxx Electro news. Well, if this means that, that maybe they're doing live action Spider-Verse, and really, ever since Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse came out a couple years ago, does this mean we'll see a live-action version of this? Will we ever see Tom Holland with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield? And now there's a rumor that maybe we will. And Sony, when they were uh, talking to Entertainment Tonight in Canada, a spokesperson said that, that, that those rumored castings hadn't been confirmed. They didn't flat-out deny it. They just said they hadn't been confirmed, uh, which maybe means that there might be some truth to that idea that, that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will pop up. Um, and so that could happen, even if this is an entirely new Electro. And so that might be the thing that happens if Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is in there being like, yeah, I fought this guy. He was blue in my he was blue in my reality. And that's it. And like, that's the bit. So it's it's not the same Electro, but we still have connections between these universes. Um, so it could happen. And the the question that I, I have for you, Paul, though, is when we think about all of these things and of course, Dr. Strange could play a pivotal role in that, right? 
here we have this movie that Spider-Man 3 currently is scheduled to come out before Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And when you have a character who's connected to the multiverse and going to be traveling through the multiverse, I mean, maybe Spider-Man 3 is partially the setup for that of like, what the hell's going on in our reality? Like we have all these different Spider-Men coming in from these different realities and that becomes part of what sends Doctor Strange off on his mission. But my question for you, Paul, is if we get to this point where we are going to have kind of a live action version of Spider-Verse, is that something you even want? It's not something that a couple of years ago before the, into the Spider-Verse, I would even consider because that's not really Spider-Man's game, right? He is a street level hero that's able to kind of cross into a, the bigger uh, Marvel you know, themes and, and things like that because of his power level. And I'm thinking strictly of the comics, right? And so with all that, I can get behind him going in Infinity War because he's done it, you know, in Secret Wars, Infinity Gauntlet. He's in all that stuff. He's in a lot of the big, big Marvel events or in, in obviously Civil War. He's always kind of there. And so, but he's always been predominantly a street level hero. And like, it's like, if you look at, if you think about it, he's basically the bridge between Iron Man and Daredevil. He's right in the middle as far as not popularity, obviously, but just as far as his kind of identity, what he deals with, it's between those, like if you had the middle ground, that's Spider-Man between Iron Man and Daredevil and the power level and the things they deal with in their comic books and their themes and, and whatever. And so and that's what I think makes Spider-Man also a really cool character is that he can kind of you can kind of write him in so many different you know stories. And it works because of his, his ability to kind of do both and how he's kind of developed over the years and, and things like that. So when Dan Slott introduced the Spider-Verse idea, I liked it a lot because it was pushing Spider-Man in a, in a very, a very different place. And a lot of Spider-Man fans aren't super happy uh, or, or didn't like that, that Spider-Verse comic book. I actually really liked it. It obviously gave us Spider-Gwen, who is a huge character. And when the, I remember when they announced uh, the Spider-Verse movie, I was like, what? Like, this is the animated film. And you guys can probably, you know, might remember, uh, remember me talking about it. I was like, okay, it's weird. Uh, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. And obviously the Spider-Verse movie came out. It blew everyone away that went and saw it. And obviously won Academy Awards and is huge. And so I so before all that, I'd be like, I don't really need that. That's not really Spider Spider-Man's MO. But the last, I would say the last three years, three, yeah, three years, Sean has really changed Spider-Man overall that I never would have anticipated five, six years ago. Right now, Spider-Man is going through not just a renaissance um, with the game and everything, but the the what, what Marvel's able to brand with the character goes beyond Peter Parker. And that's really exciting. I, and, and this is coming from Spider-Man, Peter Parker, 616 Universe is one of my, is not is, one, is my favorite fictional character of all time. Like there's, I don't, I mean, above Star Wars, above anything else I'd ever, if I had to pick one, like the favorite character fiction, it's Spider-Man 616 universe. That is something I will love forever. 
And right now, with the with the Spider Verse comics going into the Spider Verse movie and the games and Miles Morales and Spider Gwen and all of that, it's changing the character. And with all of that, and with the MCU bringing in a younger Peter Parker and all these other films, you have now the ability to tell any kind of Spider-Man story you want. And that's really exciting. And with all of that, it's just, to me, the fact that they're, they're going to give us probably something with, with this announcement of Doctor Strange. Let me just kind of back up for a second too, Sean. I, I got to sing this little ditty for you all because I'm going to tell you right now, before Doctor Strange, I was like, yeah, they, they might be going on Spider-Verse. When I saw Doctor Strange was going to be the mentor figure, this is exactly what came into my mind. It was this. It's signed, sealed, delivered. Oh, yeah. Like, it is a done deal, in my opinion. Like, it's it's signed, sealed, delivered. Spider-Verse is coming. It's And I think it's amazing, no pun intended, that we're getting it because we're going to be able to get not I, I just a, a vast different the possibilities are are endless. I think for the fact that you can put now you can put Spider-Man into the Venomverse if you want, or mm-hmm. he, he can literally go anywhere you want to take him. Where Sony can say, you know what, Marvel, we kind of want to do our own thing, so we're just going to do this over here for a while, and then we like cool. You know, it leaves the door open for both parties. Because let's say let's say Marvel wants to pony up and say, here's a little bit more. We want to have Spider-Man. We really need him. And Sony could be like, mm, okay. It, it it allows them the flexibility to do that. And, and we all said that at the time, but the fact they're actually going down that road is just huge. It's yeah. huge, huge, huge. And I think also, and I, I gotta say this, I'm really I'm really thankful for these the Miles Morales characters and everything because now we're going to get a Peter Parker that can actually in the, like in the comic books and and I think in, in the spider verse, he can grow up. Peter Parker doesn't have to be a kid anymore. He doesn't have to represent the young Spider-Man because we have miles Morales. And I think it'll be really fascinating to see, uh, a Spider-Man like Tobey Maguire playing the elder statesman, even though I'm not the biggest to- Tobey Maguire Spider-Man fan or just actor in general, as far as his acting abilities, He's whatever, but I'm really excited to see a, both Peters potentially talking to each other about with great power becomes, you know, comes great responsibility. Them talk about Uncle Ben together. A lot of people complain, like, why don't we get Uncle Ben to Iron Man? He's Iron Boy, <laughs> uh, and, and all that crap. Now you can have, you can now imagine the scene now that you don't, have, you didn't talk about Uncle Ben the whole time because, again, Spider Man was kind of moving on at that point. That in Spider-Man Three, he could talk about. You can have a scene where it's like, you know, I, I've I've had I've been lucky to have so many mentors after Uncle Ben died, and then Toby can say, I didn't have that. Like, there's powerful stuff in there. Like, it, to me, like there's a lot of possibilities. And Andrew Garfield's character can say, that, you know, there's so many different cool things to do it. So, for for me, it's just this, it's not something, it's not something I never wanted necessarily. And that's the thing. I, I, I always hate people who say like, Oh, I didn't ask for this. So yeah, I didn't ask for a lot of things and I love yeah. them, you know? So it's like, the thing is I'm excited. And I think that with, with Feige at the, at least 
somewhat creative, making creative decisions. I'm not sure he's in completely in charge, but as long as he's in there with a, with a with a big say, and Spider Verse is being introduced, there's a l- this is going to be an insane story, and I think it's great. And to be honest, we I mean we can't just keep doing the same Spider Man stories in films all the time. That's what right. I always tell people. You can't. We've already got five films like that. So let's push it. So. Yeah, Sean, I'm all about Spider-Verse. Yeah, and I, I have there are certain reservations that I could have with it because you just think about, well, how do they keep this contained in a way to where it's a coherent story and like it and it all works in the way that it should, or not that there's any like blueprint for how exactly it's supposed to work, but how do they wrangle all of this? But I think about those questions and I think weren't those the same questions back in phase one of the MCU weren't those the same questions back when phase three was announced how are they going to have so many characters in Avengers Infinity War they can't possibly manage that but then of course they did and so I mean part of the reason why I was never really a doubter on Infinity War or Endgame is because I thought well based on what Marvel Studios has done so far until they let me down I trust that they have a handle on these things And, and so it's the same thing now with this potential multiverse uh, approach what we know it's not even potential it's happening there's a multiverse that's coming into and, and playing a bigger role in the in the marvel cinematic universe but then even if that plays into a spider-verse thing uh in spider-man 3 i trust the people involved to be able to uh, make sure of course that it's not just about telling the biggest possible story it still has to be a good story and it still has to be sincere and you still have to care about the people involved and you still have to care about everything that's happening. And so it, it still requires you to be able to emotionally invest in Tom Holland's Peter Parker, but potentially Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, Andrew Garfield. I mean, as far as like the, the event feel of it, Tobey Maguire coming back as Spider-Man would definitely be an event. Andrew Garfield, I could take or leave. And that's not a slight to him, even though it totally sounds like it. It's not really a slight to him, but I mean, when you think about the nostalgia factor, his Spider-Man wasn't that long ago. Um, so whereas Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man has been gone for a while, and that was the beginning of the live action Spider-Man movie franchise. I mean, I think that's where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is just kind of caught in the middle. But if you're going to have different live action Spider-Man, then those are the two that you would go to, Maguire and Garfield. And so that could potentially be very, very interesting and very fun to see on screen but I still want it to primarily be about the Spider-Man that I care about in this universe. And so it's still got to be the Tom Holland, Peter Parker story through all of this. And but of course, when you start talking about the multiverse and the Spider-Verse, like this is where you get into other things. As you mentioned, is this how they explain a Tom Holland Spider-Man showing up in a Venom movie or something else in the SPUMC? Yeah, possibly. Uh, But it's not just that. This could be a way to get the Miles Morales Spider-Man in live action much quicker than we otherwise would have. If you're having to go through like the way it worked out originally in the Ultimate books is Peter Parker dies and then Miles Morales becomes Spider-Man. So if you want to have a different version of that uh, that you can get to uh, sooner, because I think that's what everybody kind of wants right now that everybody loves Miles and a lot of people already love Miles, but then even more people after Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Now he's got his own uh, PlayStation 5 game coming out. And so a lot of, more and more people are becoming fans of this character. And when I say more and more people, I go back to that point. 
No, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse did not blow the roof off the box office, but it did very well. And then it went and it won an Oscar and then it went to Netflix. And so I just think the audience for Miles Morales is getting bigger by the day. And so for that character to maybe be able to be in the MCU, and that's where I think for Marvel Studios, it's worth it for them as long as they have the creative input to make sure that things are going the way that they should have and that the quality of the storytelling is where it needs to be. If they have input on the SPUMC and how Tom Holland Spider-Man is involved and, and that's part of this whole equation, then I think that's definitely worth it. And I think that makes it worthwhile on both sides, because if that means that Marvel, Marvel Studios gets more access to more characters from the Spider-Verse, including potentially Miles Morales, that's a huge plus for them. And for Sony, like to me, it's not it doesn't even have to necessarily be a money thing like Marvel Studios or Disney giving them a bunch of money. Sony has their own benefit. If there is even if it's not the same timeline, even if it's not the same universe, if there are at least connection points between these universes that legitimizes the, the SPUMC in the audience's eyes, not that everybody, in fact, most people probably don't uh, keep up with that stuff and, and all of the terminology and how it all technically works and all of that. But I think enough people have at least some sort of general awareness of that. And even if they don't know how to articulate it and how it's all technically categorized, just them seeing it is enough to say, well, I don't maybe I don't know how it all works, but that Tom Holland Spider-Man is the one I saw in those Avengers movies. And now here he is in Venom. And so I guess these other these other movies, these other Marvel movies, they're kind of sort of connected to the MCU, which could be bad if those movies aren't very good and it ruins the reputation of the MCU. But I think if Marvel's creatively involved uh, and has more input on that, then they can help avoid that, become uh, help prevent that from becoming an issue. Meanwhile, Sony gets the benefit of having a little bit more legitimacy and being able to you know work off of that reputation that Marvel Studios has earned over the years. So I could see a lot of potential pluses to this. I understand all the concerns of in all the different ways that it could potentially go wrong, but I am excited about this and I, I am excited for the potential of this. And I think that if there's one studio that can make this work, it's definitely Marvel Studios, although Sony, to their credit, made it work in animation in their own version of it with Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, which historically, I mean, we don't know what's happening here, right? But if this is what it looks like it could be with Spider-Man 3, and then we look at what they're doing with multiple Batman or Batmans in the Flash movie over at DC, I th Spider-Verse is the thing that opened up those doors, as far as I'm concerned. So Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, and we just think about the historical significance of various movies in the superhero genre, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse is becoming a more influential film, it seems like, every single day, or certainly within the past just couple of years since the movie came out. It's incredible the impact that that movie made immediately and the impact it looks like it's continuing to make going forward. So definitely more another helping of credit uh, well earned for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and the influence that it seems to be having over the genre uh, over the genre. But something else I want to talk about, though, is not just the multiverse implications of this. Just let's boil this down, Paul, to just Peter Parker and Stephen Strange, just these two characters interacting with each other. I think it's easy to kind of lose sight of how cool that is because you think of all the bigger implications. But if you just because I think Marvel Studios is going to do this because they always zero in on the relationships between these characters. These are two characters who have a bond. I mean, they were two of the three characters who were on that Q ship that went from Earth to Titan in Avengers mm. Infinity War. And they're the only two who've survived at the end of everything. 
with Avengers Endgame. They both went through the blip uh, and everything at the end of Infinity War. So there's a lot that these two characters have in common. And it was so great to see them meeting each other in, uh, of course, meeting each other in Avengers Infinity War as these two, as these two Steve Ditko co-creations. And now you have, of course, Doctor Strange, who's being directed by Sam Raimi. And now, of course, Sam Raimi, of course, directed a Spider-Man trilogy previously. So you have these different connections with these two characters. And I could kind of see, I know that the Hollywood Reporter article where they, you know, they had the exclusive on this of Benedict Cumberbatch joining, and they talked about Doctor Strange being the mentor figure for Peter Parker now that Tony Stark is gone. I don't really know. I mean, maybe they're reporting that based on their sense of the script from their sources, but I don't know if that's quite how I see it, because I feel like Peter Parker had a mentor, and that was part of the whole arc of Spider-Man Far From Home was him kind of becoming his own hero and not necessarily looking up to someone all the time anymore of really kind of doing his own thing. Now, of course, whatever plans he had, certainly those got, you know, Wrench got thrown into that with the with him, with his whole identity being outed and he's accused, accused of being a murderer and a terrorist in the mid credit scene of Spider-Man Far From Home. So that creates problems. But I don't really see Doctor Strange so much as a mentor, as just a friend. And I see these two characters relating to each other. I mean, it, it goes back to Tony Stark. I mean, Peter obviously already adored Tony Stark in Avengers Infinity War. Doctor Strange didn't respect Tony Stark and then earned or and then Tony earned his respect by the end of Infinity War. And then, of course, even more so in Avengers Endgame, because I think, you know, with Doctor Strange, once he saw what Tony did when he looked at 14 million six hundred and five possible futures, Stephen Strange respected Tony and then, of course, continued to all the way through Tony's death and his sacrifice in Avengers Endgame. So their mutual connection in different ways for different reasons to Tony Stark is something that I think bonds them. The adventures that they've already been on together is something that will bond these two characters. And then I just think for, for Doctor Strange, it's not so much the mentor thing of just when you're talking about potential multiverse stuff, this is Doctor Strange's territory. And, and what's also interesting, though, is this is out of order. Originally, uh Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was supposed to come out before Spider-Man 3. It was originally going by original release dates. It was May of next year with Spider-Man in July of next year. And now the order has flipped. And so they had to have made creative changes to account for this. Unless Spider-Man 3 is going to get delayed again and end up being after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But if everything stays where it is now, then maybe the order is flipped. But it might have not been that much of a difficult change to make. And maybe perhaps Doctor Strange wasn't going to be in Spider-Man 3 until it the order changed. But I could see this being a story where Doctor Strange isn't necessarily a major character in this movie. Maybe about the same amount of screen time as Iron Man in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, but maybe even less than that. But maybe this is where Doctor Strange is more alerted to the idea of not all is well in the multiverse and things are slipping through and there are cracks that you know, that we didn't foresee based on all of the, whatever happened, what everything they were doing in Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War, most of which Doctor Strange missed because he was blipped just like Spider-Man was. But Doctor Strange kind of putting back the pieces of our reality. I could see Spider-Man 3 being the story that kind of tips him off to that. So then it goes, it leads into, of course, his even bigger adventure in the multiverse in his own movie just a few months later. Yeah, there's... You, you brought up a great point, Sean, that I didn't even think about was this is coming out before and obviously and but we right now with everything going on, 
you have to think, could could there have been a change like, okay, we're going to maybe the, the, the Spider-Verse was always going to be introduced, but now and maybe there was different villains they were kind of toying with, but now with everything kind of going on and they have more time to develop things, maybe that's what left the door open to have a Jamie Foxx come back potentially. Um, th- it's a very interesting thing. Like I just kind of thought about that. Like wonder if all these delays made them kind of say, you know, we can try some different things with this now w- with developing this and, and whatever with, with now with Sam Ramy coming back, maybe that gives us an opportunity to leave that door open for a Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield or whatever. Um, it's really interesting. There's to me, the possibilities for this movie is going to be endless. And I think that we are extremely lucky that we're getting something that's not a cookie cutter Spider-Man film. And, and to be quite honest, I think that what's probably going to happen, which I'm really excited about is again, we are going to get, I think Jamie Foxx is going to play both Mysterios or Mysterio, both Electros. Mm. And I think that what, meaning you're going to see blue and uh, the, uh, MCU version, um, when, when they go through the different multiverses or, or whatever, because I think, I think it's too good of an opportunity or something like that. I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be blue for very long. It'd be like a quick cameo kind of a thing, but I, or something like that, or even if it wasn't whatever, but I think there's something like that going on. Like, I think he's going to play multiple characters, kind of like a J. Jonah Jameson. And I, I think that would get, and again, having Andrew Garfield take on Max and be like, Max, you know, you're my number one out there. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, and he's like, wait, you know, you know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of different fun things you could do with that. Um, and so I don't know, there's, there, there's just so much. And I think adding Miles Morales in there, there's, Again, but the only thing is, and I, you can't do, and what we're hearing about Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness is, is be kind of an offshoot of that with Spider-Man. That's the one danger you kind of get into, which I don't think it's going to happen. Um, but that's something you can't. So you can't just have a bunch of different, you know, versions of characters hanging out and and whatever. But uh, but I definitely think that that's. But the nice thing with Spider-Man is that people kind of expect it now because you've made a movie about it and right. it's won Academy Awards and. And that's, I think, the underlying thing about all of this is that, and and again, I want to make it very clear to kind of go not super side tangent here, but the fact that it's into the Spider-Verse and, and having Miles Morales has, is already doing wonders for Spider-Man in the comic books. I mean, Spider-Man, you know, for those who don't know, uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man was married to Mary Jane for a long time. And they took away the marriage in the uh, mid 2000s or mid late 2000s because they said that Mary, having you know Spider-Man married was aging the character, and because they're trying to make money off the movies and trying to make you know there's only one Spider-Man at the time, they're trying to make Sp- Peter more relatable for the everyman and you know and for younger audiences and and for them they're not married you know which is again a whole different subject but with the addition now of you know, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, you know, Spider-Gwen, all these different characters, you don't really need to have Peter be everything to everybody. He can be now this character that can, you know, has a, a deep relationship with his loved one, his soulmate, Mary Jane Watson. And I think that's what's really cool at Spider-Verse, kind of the cartoon movie showed us is that Spider-Man was, you know, they were, they got, they broke up and it was like, man, they, they went even a step further than what the Marvel comics didn't want to do. They, they got a divorce, man. That's like dark. And, 
you know, and I think that's what's really exciting about what, what Sony and the MCU have done and what, and what the inclusion of, and the game has done and the inclusion of Miles Morales is that Spider-Man can now grow a little bit in everything. I think inclusion and like and with Miles Morales and, and, and Spider-Gwen and all that, all those these great new characters that are coming out. But then Spider-Man and Peter Parker, that character can kind of grow a little bit too. And you can tell these different kinds of stories. And now you don't have to worry about pigeonholing, uh, you know, Spider-Man forever. You you have different iterations to, you know, that fans can now be part of them and say, well, my Spider-Man's Miles, my Spider-Man's Peter, you know, yeah. or whatever, or my spider character is Spider-Gwen or, or Jessica Drew or whatever. And I think that's the beauty of the future of Spider-Man is that, it's not just Spider-Man. It's the Spider-Man family. And there's always been the family aspect, but it's all been always been the supporting cast of like the Daily Bugle, which are always will be there. But now it's like the Bat family, right? Now it's a Spider family, and it, and it's a different different take on that idea because there's all different different you know different takes or uh, different dimensions, and it's really exciting. And I think that this movie is just a byproduct of that, and and that's what I think is really cool because I think Sean. That this this Spider this Spider Man three movie could be what Spider Verse is, but even pushing it, I think the the ideas further of what you can do with the world of Spider Man, not just the world of Peter Parker. I totally agree, and where it's even different than the Bat Family is, they're not sidekicks; they're all their own Spider Man or Spider Woman or Spider Person or whoever. Like they're all kind of they're the lead from their universe. And it's just Mm -hmm. how and and as you said, everybody kind of gets in the same that message of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse of like anyone can wear the mask. Well, and anyone who does wear the mask can be your favorite spider hero. Like and I think that's really great that everybody has an opportunity, whether it's them seeing themselves or not, or even if it's not them seeing themselves, just having somebody who's their favorite. And it for a lot of us, it's probably going to end up being Peter Parker. But then for many others, it may not be Peter Parker. It might be Miles, as you said, it might be Gwen. And I just think it's great to have the uh, Spider-Man Spider-Verse is really great. And I want that animated universe to continue building out. But if there are things that the live action universe can take from it, and even Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse could just be those animated dimensions and timelines could be part of the same larger multiverse that the MCU is a part of. And I'm not saying they go Roger Rabbit and cross over the live action and the animation, maybe one day. But I just think even the idea of having these different realities going into it, and it may not be that big. You know, one caveat to just reiterate, we don't know that any of that's happening. It may be much, much smaller than that. It could just be an Electro who has nothing to do with the Amazing Spider-Man 2 Electro. And Doctor Strange popping up, may not have as big of multiverse implications as we are speculating about. But this is the point where we know nothing about this movie, so we're free to speculate wildly. And so that's what we're doing. Um, But of course, as always, there's that uh, I I have it's a it's a lesson that actually even the Electro News where I had to reiterate this even to myself, because I always say, don't get too attached to your speculation or your own fan fiction. And I kind of did with Craven being in Spider-Man 3. And now <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the case. So and again, sometimes that advice, it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, and it was in that case. But as I as I got over the idea of, OK, well, maybe Craven's not going to be in this movie and just focusing just focusing on the possibilities of this film, whether they are somewhat smaller or they are the much bigger potential, huge multiverse types of things. I could see really great storytelling potential in all of it. And so it's just a matter of seeing 
hearing more about what story Marvel Studios uh, wants to tell. And I guess there was a Sony exec that said at some event they're having later this year, they might show some footage, but I don't think that's for fans. I think that's just for movie exhibitors and stuff like that. So uh, we'll probably get descriptions of it at best, but maybe it'll give us some insight into what's happening in this movie. But it's all exciting. And it's just great to see, as we saw in the last episode, is that as these weeks go by, we're just getting more and more news, which tells us that things are happening again. Things are moving forward. And I know there are still question marks about movie theaters and when we're going to see films. Do these release dates that we have now, do they even mean anything? Uh, as of right now, I would say they probably don't. Every As I've been saying, everything, every movie's release date is TBD. I don't care what date they put on it. They're all TBD until certain <laughs> things get figured out. But uh, as you mentioned, Paul, at the top of the show, there is stability in Disney Plus for things like Miss Marvel, and eventually uh, things will stabilize for movies. And in the meantime, Marvel Studios is moving forward and making more movies and getting ready to tell more stories uh, that eventually they will be able to share with us. Another one of those stories is Thor Love and Thunder. And Natalie Portman talked a little bit about that movie recently, which we will talk about on the Patreon credit scene to this episode of the podcast, which is part of our exclusive uh, podcast offerings over at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. Uh, we also have the Daily Bugle podcast where I'll be talking about some different news things. Uh, I'll be going over different shows from this week, talking about the Disney restructuring. What does that mean for Disney? What does it mean for Marvel Studios? So I'll be talking about that. Uh, and speaking of the Patreon, have some folks to thank. Thank you very much to Kevin C., Presley C. What's up, Presley? Danny D. and Kyle G., some of the latest patrons over at the Patreon getting exclusive access to content that's not available anywhere else. And so when you do sign up and you get those exclusive shows, you get your own private RSS link that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts. So you get all of your Marvel and MCU fan show content. It's all in one place. You don't have to track it down in multiple feeds. Um, and so for more information on that, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. Again, that's S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R. -E -E and plus, we also have a really awesome Discord community where we're talking about all this crazy Marvel news every single day. Uh, that is also exclusive to the Patreon. And then, as I said at the top of the show, make sure you follow us in the places you can at MCU Fan Show, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Paul, where can they find you? <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Please follow uh, my comic book podcast, The Comic Binge, at Binge Comic on Twitter. You can also found, find us uh, on the Apple, all that jazz, with my our good friend, Chris Clow. He moved, recently moved back to Washington, so we're gonna, we've been go, we're going to start upping the episode counts. Uh, we're going to be recording a new episode this weekend. We recorded this on a Friday, and we're record on a Sunday, and we're going to record a review for the new Rorschach comic. So, uh, and amongst probably a future uh, rant about Alan Moore. So uh, <laughs> get ready for that. That's going to be pretty fun. But yeah, Comic Binge is going to be a lot lot coming out with that a lot of fun so yeah follow us that on there and also my other podcast like a saga continues yep. and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber by now you know the spelling so for paul i'm sean thanks for listening to the mcu fan show we'll see you next time